Okay, this morning, I'm just going to uh, read from, from 1 John uh, chapter 1, 1 John chapter 1. And we shared this the other morning. Uh, when, you re- when you read 1 John, the first chapter, there are 10 verses, but literally in the original, chapter 2, 1 and 2 are literally part of 1 John. They, they all flow that way. So 1 John chapter 1. Verse 1 says, that which was from the beginning, and of course that's eternity, uh, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life. Really, the original again says the word of life man. (laughs) The word of life man. Thank God for him. Thank you, Lord. For the life was manifested, the life, again, it, where uh, the is that is that Greek word ho? It's like this life, no other kind. This life was manifested, revealed, declared, and we have seen it. Just like we all have the opportunity now. Not, of course, not like they did literally, but we see it just as literally, <laughs> uh, experientially, and they, of course, physically and experientially. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness. We are. Witnesses. We have a testimony as witnesses. And because of that, we show unto you that eternal life. Of course, that's Christ, which was, and we go back to, he's going back to John chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, which was, really, well, was speaks of a beginning. (laughs) So, really, with the Father and was manifested unto him. And that little word with is so beautiful here to bring out, and again, it's that Greek word pros, P-R-O-S, and, and God, and we've shared that by the grace of God, how that is this eternal affectionate embrace of a love exchange life that nothing could interfere with, nothing could distract or disturb. And that's what he's saying here, okay? And so it says that, we've seen it, Right? that witness and bear witness with that eternal life with, which was with the Father and was manifested on, unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that you also may have what? Fellowship. Again, this is teaching us as Christians the only time we experience fellowship it's when it's an exchange of the life that Christ is. That's the definition that God has given us of fellowship. So that you may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Now he said this in verse 4, These things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. This then is the message which we have heard of him. Now the message, is it different than the fellowship? And is the fellowship different than the person that Christ is? So this then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light. And in him, this is our position in him, and we'll see that soon, is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, what? We lie and do not the truth. The truth is not active, really, when it says do not, and we'll see that in the scriptures here. And do not the truth. But, separated from all that, if we walk in the light, remember now, everything that it's talking about is not talking about our behavior. It's talking about our position in Christ, okay, which reveals what? Our character. Because the character that Christ is, is light, And in him, there's no darkness. That's why fellowship has to do with the light of the love life that Christ is. And no darkness in true fellowship can penetrate that. Because what does light always do to darkness? It dispels it. Now, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, what? We lie and don't do the truth. The truth's not active. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have what? Fellowship, one. Notice, oneness. We have fellowship. One with who? Another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Now, when we understand 
these other verses, if we understand, especially in John the 13th chapter, and you look at those verses 6 through 11, when Jesus said to Peter, um, I'm going to wash your feet. And of course, Peter, (laughs) acting in in the flesh, says, you you know, I'm not going to allow you to do that. You won't do that. And then Jesus said, well, listen, if I don't do that, you don't have part in me or with me. That's experience. It's not position. That's experience. It's not position. So, so when it said you can't, you can't have part with me, okay, meaning you won't have proper identity, okay, you'll just identify with a lie that's in the darkness, and you won't identify in proper light with your proper image, and that image has to do with a continual love, truthfully, that nothing can interfere, disturb, or distract, and that's fellowship. That's the ex- true exchange and the only one that God recognizes that we have with each other. It is so phenomenal. Man, I, I tell you, thank you, Lord. Thank you for that, Lord. Now, when we look at this and when we see these things, when we see this, that blood, he said, once, once you've been washed all over, that's, that's, that's regeneration in Titus 3.5. The washing of regeneration was the moment we received Christ. That's brought out in the types in Exodus, the 12th chapter and 13th verse, that would be the Passover, the blood that was on the lentil, okay? And that's Christ dying for us. And then the Red Sea is a picture of Christ dying for us. So you put those two together, that's Christ dying for us. That's what the blood of the cross in Colossians 1.20 completed for us. <laughs> for us. See, God's for us. Fellowship means we're for each other. Simple as that. Now, not until they crossed over into, and they had to pass through the Jordan, did they get into the promised land. Now their experience was the equal of their position. Because, again, those two things that we mentioned first is Christ dying for us. Crossing through the Jordan into the promised land is you and I experientially, right, and God bringing the position into the experience of us accepting our death with him. (laughs) Major difference. Same thing. Same thing. And really, in one sense, of course, it's not a difference. But So that's what we're seeing in in 1 John 1, 7. Again, in the type in Exodus 12 and verse 13. Again, in Exodus, the 14th chapter. And then in Joshua, when we get into the book of Joshua. So again, those first two is positional truth. The second one is and the Jordan, right? There had to be a crossing over, right? And who had to lead them? It had to be a priest, the high priest. That's a picture of Christ leading us right through into our proper position. And that's what God is doing. And he desires with all of us this morning to do that in us so that we can continue in fellowship and oneness. So that's what it's saying there. So now, in verse 8, it says, If we say that we have no sin, again, that's nature. If we say that we have no sin nature, gosh, we deceive who? Ourselves. And what? The truth is not in us. Now, the context is those are, they're believers. Okay? But can we be deceived by thinking we no longer have the flesh in us? In Romans 8, verse 9, it's in us, but we're not of it. Right? Who do we deceive? We deceive us, ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Now, Christ is in us, but is he in our experience? Is he he my experiential reality? So, thank God for verse 9. If, if, okay, and that's the third class, fulfilled condition, third, third class, if and we may or may not. If we confess our sins, right, we're confessing them. We're not asking and praying for forgiveness. This is key. We're not praying for forgiveness, okay? We're confessing that we are, that what we did was not who we were in Romans 7, 17, and 20, but the truth about who Christ is. My confession is Christ. We and all of us don't have a proper confession until we experience the reality of who he is in us and who we are in him. Otherwise, it just becomes a declarative profession, and that's the difference between a profession and a confession. Now, so if, he, if, he, if we confess our sins, what is he? He's faithful, and he's just. What does that mean? Just, he's fulfilled the justice of God for us. 
In other words, you can't separate love, who God is, from his justice. His love is just, his justice is love. You cannot separate those two. That would do away, again, we've said, with universalism and annihilationism. It just, you can't, it just won't. It does away with them, especially if you take into account John 3 and verse 36. That will do away with all of that stuff. So if we say, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just, what? To forgive us our sins. So he's faithful and just. That's justice right there. And then to forgive us our sins. This is why the Bible teaches us that when we experience forgiveness, what is forgiveness? It's God loving us. That's right. That's what it is. That's what it is. God is loving us to forgive us sins. Really, are they even ours? I don't even know. You know, we're all personally accountable, but to what? A proper confession. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We've gone into that before. It's beautiful. Now it says in verse 10, if we say that we have not sinned, that's even worse. If we say that we haven't sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. And that's why my little children, in continuance of 1 John 1, 1 through 10, which is these two verses, it's really, it's like it's 1 John 1, 1 through 12, because verse 3 goes into another whole topic, which is the result of those 12 verses. My little children, whose children are we? We're his. Need to be careful how we treat each other. (laughs) Because we're not our own. It's not left up to us. And that goes into a whole bunch of things too. My little children, these things write I unto who? You, that you sin not. In other words, what it's teaching literally is you never have to sin. It's almost like shocking (laughs) because of all this provision we have. Some think that, again, we've said this before, some think the normal Christian life is sinning, getting right, sinning, getting right. That is not the normal Christian life. <laughs> we do do it, though. It is part of growth. And that's why we, the, when, the, when we speak of the teaching of chastisement in Proverbs 3, 10, and 11, and in Hebrews, the 12th chapter, and those starting at verse 4 and going all the way down to the 29th verse, that there's no fellowship in chastisement. Is there's love, but we don't experience it until we submit to the discipline of that chastisement. Now we're, and that chastisement is meant to bring us back experientially to our proper place, because we never left it positionally, and that means in God's view about who we are in Christ. So these things write unto you that you sin not, but... You know, and if any man sin, okay, who's the any man? We. We. We're talking about the sins of believers alone, period. That's who Christ died for and paid for the sins. He paid for the sins of each and every individual in Christ, period. He never paid for the sins of every single human being, ever. Never, ever, ever again we have the type in Leviticus chapter 1, verse 4, all the way through. And then we have the type in in Leviticus chapter 16, those first 7 to 10 verses right there. Make it crystal clear in the two types. The Lord's lot, that's propitiation, dealing with the sin question in John 1, 29, not sins. And then each individual had to put their hand and confess their sins on Christ. Each individual to have that experience and truth of them being paid for. And that's what we see here. Now, if any man sin, we, who? We have an advocate with the Father. Did you ever see, hear Jesus' prayer when he said in John 17 and verse 9, I pray not for the world, is he interceding? No. Who does he intercede for? And, and, and look, in, look where we first see in the epistles where, in, where intercession, Christ in his high priestly place at the right hand of the Father, seated with a finished work, interceding for us. It's in Romans 8, verse 34. And that's those that are in Christ. <laughs> 
Again, you'll see it in Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 25. And again, you'll see it in Hebrews chapter 9 and look at it from verse 24 to 28. And you'll see, you'll see the beautiful truths about that. So, and he is a propitiation in 1 John 2, 2, for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. What is that supposed to mean? They're two separate things. He made a potential for everybody, did he not? Each individual can put their hand and receive. Without a doubt, each can go in, in the type, go in where the blood has been shed, but they personally took the hyssop, which speaks of absolute faith dependence, dip it in the blood, put it on the two sides, post, and on, on the, on the uh, lentil. And then they go inside, and guess what they're feeding on? They're feeding on the lamb. But they also had bitter herbs. And that's teaching us, listen, the bitterness of the flesh. The bitterness of the flesh. How awful it is. But we can feast on the lamb. Those are the types that are being brought out. And to, and to try and understand these things, apart from a whole preponderance of the scriptures, that's what brings in all the confusion. Yeah. And then it says, but also for, and the sins of, you do not see that in the original Greek, Koine Greek New Testament. You can't find it because it's not there. It's never for the sins of the whole world, okay? Because he didn't pay for the sins of the whole world, okay? I taught that for years before I knew better. For a lot of years. And guess what? I had to grow because, you know, and I want to make this very clear this morning, I know nothing yet as I ought to. I'm not saying I don't, by the grace of Almighty God, that I don't know certain foundational truths and the things that proceed from them. But even those, I don't know like I ought to yet because I'm not with Him face to face in eternity and learning for all eternity. I, st- I have eternal life and I'm in time, but I know nothing yet as I ought to know. And I just as soon stay little with everybody and, you know, make room. God makes room in little people for big Jesus, for big Christ. Now, this, this can be some things that happen to us. Okay, and again, this is being brought out. And, and it's being brought out in a most marvelous and beautiful way. Okay, because the truth that we receive or don't receive or don't know, listen, can have quite an effect on us. It can be a positive effect or a negative effect. Now, even this little word, and thank God for words, even these English words, because where does language, true language, proceed from? You know, who made all those other people <laughs> in Genesis, the 11th chapter, start speaking all these different languages? That came from God. came for purpose, too. But that word effect, this is what the word effect means. It means something that is produced by an agent or cause. Huh? Who's the cause? We see that in John 1, 1. The Word with the Father and the Holy Spirit proceeding from both. something that is produced. Who does the producing? By an agent or cause. Listen to this one. It is power to produce results. This goes into why it's so important for us to be obedient, to have a yoke around our will. It speaks of efficacy. That word effect, listen, it speaks of force. Wow, force. It speaks of influence. It speaks of a state. When we say the word state, and in the scriptures, through the teaching of many, 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 many men of God that God has given me the privilege to receive from, many, many, many of them, as I cried out and asked for it, and boy, in James 1.5, if you lack wisdom, guess what? Just ask of God, and he'll give it to you. But he'll give it to you in the way that he's chosen. And usually that's through his, his order. Because otherwise, apart from his order, we act very independently. Okay, and there's no such thing in, in oneness, and there's no such thing in fellowship. You, can't, you just can't do it. 
Now, okay, so the state, you'll hear things like standing and state. Our standing is immovable, that's our position. What's my state? It's my experience. So here it says the state of being, okay, it's the state of being. How to be properly, how to be that way, okay? The state of being, it speaks of an execution. In other words, who's executing his will? <laughs> Who, 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 is, who fulfilled the will in John 4, 34, in Hebrews 10, 7 and 9? Christ did it. And that, again, is in Psalm 40, 7 and 8. He fulfilled the will, right? Thank God that in him we, we are filled up. <laughs> that's Colossians 2, 9 and 10. We're filled up in him, right? But that's the execution. And when God does the executing, when I have understand positional truth, then the Holy Spirit takes the word and brings it into my experience. And when he does, you know that execution leads to? Accomplishment. Something we cannot do on our own. Something the flesh can never do. It leads to accomplishment. And you know what that accomplishment leads to? Fulfillment. And there's no fulfillment outside of Christ. There's no fulfillment between two individuals outside of the fellowship and the oneness that Christ is. Otherwise, everything just needs to be kept out. Because it's darkness, okay, in all of us. Then we have, that's the word effect, E-F-F-E-C-T. -E -E now here's the next word, it's called effect, A-F-F-E-C. So when I have a proper effect, now I have an effect. And what is an effect? It means to act on. What is God constantly, not violating, but acting on in us? Our will. Our will. Constantly acting on it. And when God acts on our will and we submit, it's to what? It's to produce an effect. <laughs> that, that's why the mind of Christ, when we function in it continuously, we have the mind of Christ, by the way. Every believer does. Not every believer has the right teaching. No. But in 1 Corinthians 2.16, you're in Christ, you have the mind of Christ. Okay, we have the mind of Christ. There's no question about it. We all do. And what, it, but how does he act on us? It's through our, the submission of our will. We see that in James 4, 6. The result of that submission in verse 7 keeps the enemy out. And how, how does the enemy operate in, in and through the believer, the flesh? Okay, to, and, and it means to act on. It means to produce an effect or change in. <laughs> Boy, he's changing us, our thinking, to get our experience to be equal to our position. When that happens, then we have fellowship. Then we experience oneness. Okay? Now, are there going to be times when we uh, misunderstand each other and all? Yeah, where should we operate from still? <laughs> and in one sense, you know, Say, say I don't understand someone or I misunderstand them. And still, still, can it be still an opportunity for the other? Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because after all, in Christ and our fellowship, are we for each other? <laughs> okay. So, effect, A-F-F-E-C-T. To act on... To produce an effect or change in. And it means, look at it means, it means to impress. What's the opposite of being impressed? To be depressed. You're depressed into your own thoughts, depressed into the flesh under Satan. Because he's the daddy of the flesh. And we can see that in John 8 verse 44. That's experience. He cannot touch position. 1 John 5, 18b. Because our position has to do with relationship and sins cannot touch it, but it can affect our experience, okay? So instead of being depressed, we can have a proper mind, and when I have a proper mind, okay, it then that proper mind begins to initiate and move over into the emotions. You know, the first, you know, when it's talked about in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, when it talks about the ninefold fruit of the Holy Spirit, we understand it's the Holy Spirit taking the fruit that Christ is 
in our position and bringing it into our experience. But the first effect of love is what? Joy. Now, our joy can be up and down. Now, I'll raise my hand to that one. It can be up and down, and it will be. But peace that we have is settled. The peace, the peace that we have with God through Christ in our position is unassailable. Plus, we have the God of peace. <laughs> Two beautiful things about the peace that we have that Christ has is in his own person in Ephesians 2, verse 14. Okay, and bringing himself and sacrificing himself, he gave us and brought us into a loving father. He's still God, and that's why he said in John 20, 17, I am going to my God, my father and my God, in a way, speaking deity. <laughs> that, in a way that that's, you can't touch that, right? But then, in the way of his humanity, he brought us, he said, and I'm going unto, in his humanity, he shares this with us. I am going to your father and your God. And that's where he brings out in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 11, I am not ashamed to call you my brethren. Jesus, thank you for that. Amen. Thank you for that. That shame and guilt is the unbearable burden, and he did it. He bore it in his body on the tree in 1 Peter 2, verse 24. So it means this, to impress the mind to move the emotions to its proper place. To attack, it means to attack or lay hold of. That's why I said effect and affect can be both what? Good, and if it's good, the goodness is God himself, or bad, and we know where that comes from. There's, there's a difference between good and evil. Now, how many of us, how many of us can still, can still, and there's multitudes of this too. This is why we need teaching constantly, and we all do, every single one of us. We can still be cast down under the sense of indwelling sin. What is indwelling sin? It's Romans 8, verse 9. We have the flesh in us, listen, and again, those key words, in and of. We have the flesh in us, that's the sense of that indwelling sin, that God will keep us humble and use it incredibly. He doesn't cause us to sin. He doesn't tempt in James 1.13, never. He can't be tempted with evil. He never tempts us with evil. But he, can, he, he won't violate that free will. When that free will goes to the other side, to the flesh, boy, can that teach us some things. But still, believers, young and even old, can be still cast down on the sense of indwelling sin. But you know what his answer is? He had, God has one answer to our many questions, and that's Christ. That's it. And we need to know it. That is Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. My God will supply all your singular need according to his illimitless, surpassing riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Okay? That is the truth of a proper experience. And then we can say, in that place of Philippians 4.19, we have Philippians 4.13. I can, yes me, do all things through Christ. <laughs> that means will submitted, which makes me mighty. His might, his power, his strength, it's like dynamite, it's explosive. So, the, so the, he's the answer to every single question. He, listen, listen, and I need to listen. I'm listening with you today is God is my child. I am so listening to the counsel that God's giving me this morning. To those questions in whatever relationship as believers we are involved with, listen to this. Okay. Whatever it is, he's the answer to those questions which harass us. Yes. He is. Because he is. He is. He is. Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith, okay? What is it? In Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is substantiation, the title deed, to the things hoped for, and hope there is who we are in Christ. The evidence not seen to the flesh, obviously, into natural sight, right? And what should we do? Here is Hebrews, the 11th chapter, 
And I'll read this verse. In Hebrews 11, verse 6, it says this, But without faith, (laughs) boy, you think we need to be taught? Boy, do we ever. But without faith, it is impossible to please him, to please God. That's when we function outside of who Christ is in us and who we are in him. For he that comes to God must believe what? Yes, he is. No, he's not. Yes, he is. He's the answer. Is there trouble in a relationship? He's the answer. Period. That's it. He is. He is. He is. Together, all of us as one, in the depth of our fellowship, he is our authority. No man, no pastor, no board of elders. You'll see that clearly in Acts, the 20th chapter, in verse 27 to 32. And that's why Paul said, I, I don't commend you to myself. God forbid. God forbid. I do not commend myself to anyone, he said. And by his grace, nor do I. I don't. I commend you to God and the word, Christ, of his grace, Christ, which is able to build you up. Amen. And to present to you your true inheritance that no man can touch in your individuality, but by that you will fellowship and be one with those that you are together. And by the way, it is no accident that we're together. God pre-planned it, and I want to make it clear, the enemy hates it. Listen, he's not hating. He hates more, listen to this, he hates more what Christ does in us than what we do, but he wants to use what we do in the flesh to keep out that reality with each other. I don't know about you, but I know in my flesh I only do one thing. If you think you're fighting another believer in your flesh, because that's what we are, come on. If you think you're fighting another believer, I am saying all we could be doing is fighting Christ in the believer. That's a reality. Okay? And who's doing the fighting in the flesh? Now, yeah, the devil made me do it. No, you gave him permission by functioning in the flesh. And that will teach us. That'll teach us. Listen. Here's the facts. Here are the facts. Listen. What, are the, what is the first thing we need to do? All of us. And I don't care what position we are in the local assembly. Here's what we need to be. We need, we need the Holy Spirit to give us rest in the reality of the Son of God and what he has accomplished in his reconciling work. Boy, do we need that. I am telling you, The enemy is fierce. Listen, and we can see that. In the world right now, we see how fierce he is. His fierceness is is increasing. We see that through policies and things we think are political, and he uses the political to to bring in the evil. Ain't no question about it. We see the fierceness of it, but we see that, and that's prophecy. And we talked about if you don't know prophecy, it can be dangerous experientially. But the most, the most dangerous thing for the believer is not the prophecy and the evil that's in the world, it's the flesh. It is so, listen, it's so evil. It is so evil in me. Listen to me. It's so evil in me. Not above anybody, not below anybody, but with you. With you. With you. And we can go to one another. And humility and meekness. You know, that's the only way we should go. And again, that's why the Bible teaches it. Listen, we don't have to have anyone else speak for us. Okay, we don't. And we shouldn't. If it's an issue about another person, okay, that person should go to God first, only. And then go to that person only. And I'm going to tell you, what, what it'll do is keep out a lot of confusion. That's a promise. Jeez. That is an absolute promise, okay? So, we first need to learn. What does it mean to learn? Who learns? Look at me. People, and I'm a people, that are ignorant. They don't know. They don't know. Okay, yeah, we need patience. Loving patience as teachers, okay? 
We do. In, in uh, 2 Timothy 2, verse 24 to 26, we do need that. We do need it, right? But we need first to learn. And as we have learned, and I want to make this clear through the Scriptures as God's making it clear right to me right now. As you've learned positional truth, Ed, and it's entered into your experience, now you're learned to teach. And only then. That's, again, you look at it in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 23 to 26. Look at it in Titus 3, verse 9. Oh, and especially in 1 Timothy 3, 6. Not a novice, not one who's newly come to, it says, the faith. That's just not talking salvation, guys and girls and men and women. It's talking about these truths, experiential truths, okay? Is there any growth apart, true growth apart from experience and obedience in the will? So here we have, and each of us, each one of us, when we have that proper experience, each one of us, right? We can, we can have a little part in our own little measure. Because I'm telling you, every single one of us are little in him. I don't care what the gift is. I could care less. I don't care. My God, if it's not Christ, it's not the gift. I don't become little. I become big in my own eyes. So big that, my God, I can't even receive from anybody anymore. God forbid, please. Listen, we're going to wrap it up here fairly soon here. But here it is. Right? But you know what? It's hard, though. It becomes hard for believers and Christians. You know what? And you know what makes it hard when they try to do it themselves? It's hard. It's hard to make this precious truth we're talking about in Scripture to be their own. <laughs> because you're not your own. I'm not my own. And there's an order. And you can't make it. You, you and I can't make anything. Christ has already made everything. I can't make anything. Okay? And so they struggle because they're trying to make these truths their own. Okay? And really, honestly, it's not the difficulty. And here's the truth. This is why when you hear things like, oh, well, this truth is too deep for me. That's the lying voice of the enemy. I mean it, too. It's the lying voice of the enemy. Okay? Because the truth is, it's not the difficulty that's in the language. Folks, now listen. As I grow, is this true for me? Do I know everything like I ought to? Would I? No. 1 Corinthians 8, 1 to 3. Absolutely not. No. I don't. I don't. The difficulty is not in the language. Nope. It's from spiritual lack. It's lacking something in the experience because I, I want to learn from myself to make it my own, and it makes it so hard. That's why we struggle. A lot of our struggles have to do with that, you know. A lot of things that when we bang against each other in relationships, you know, that's a big part of it. That's a big part of it. You know what? If I don't function in Christ, you know what I'm going to do? I'm, go I'm going to use his sheep, oh my, his people, to, to cause a circle of interest around me. Oh, my God, no. Dear God, no. Please, no. Absolutely no. Mm -mm, no. And I say it in brokenness, in tears inside, absolutely no. No. I love you in Christ. And I need your love. I do. I do. I love you perfectly. Because I'm perfect in Christ and so are you. I'm going to wrap it up soon. Because I still have 15 minutes. <laughs> but here, listen. They try to make it their own through a lack. And try to make, look at this. This is what we'll do in the flesh, any of us. But we'll try to make our own because of a lack, right? You don't have it, you're trying to make it. Oh, 
But through that lack that you're trying to make your own, you're trying to enter into the depth of the truth and unfolding the, unfolding the Savior's personal dignity and the fullness of his grace toward myself and toward everyone else in Christ. That's what I'm trying to do. And so, listen, that's why it says they were even, and we could be slow, and it slow to apprehend. That word apprehend, look it up. We'll, I, I, I want to share on that again, if God leads, on Friday, what it means in Philippians 3, and you, you can look at it. Look at Philippians uh, 3, and you can see that, and start in verse 14, uh, uh, 15, in, in those beautiful verses right there, to be what it means to be apprehended, to be taken possession of. For Christ to possess me, and not till he possesses me. He's got me possessed in, his, in, in my position in him, but he deeply desires to possess me in my experience. Until he possesses me in my experience with a submitted will, I don't possess him in my experience. And the enemy does every. Listen, I am telling you, in my own life, he's doing everything to separate us. He'll use anything, anybody, and everything. And, they, and it could be ignorance in the individual. They could be born again. It could be ignorance. He'll use it. Should I blame the person? Should I condemn them? Should, should I become their enemy and hate them? Or should I love them? And if I can have fellowship with them, then I pray for them. Because then I protect me from the flesh, and then I protect them from my flesh, and protect them. Wow. So, we can be very slow to enjoy. There's that word, joy. God said, underline it, Ed. Underline it. Where's the joy? It's in his presence. That's right. Is that necessary for my experience? To enjoy the fellowship with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. But it's only by, listen to this one, it's only by the Spirit's grace. I want to make it very clear this morning. I know nothing from one moment to the next. Nothing outside of His grace that precedes His truth. Nothing. Because it's all Christ, right? In John 1, 14. You know what? But God has given us this inspired word that we read even in 1 John and scores of other scriptures. He's given us this inspired word, this inspired written word. And that inspired written word won't fail because it's his love in 1 Corinthians 13, 8. We know God never fails. That written word will not, will, there's God's will, God's will is the action of his love and his justice met for the believer to enter into their experience through Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. So far, it's all God, right? Must be grace, right? And it won't fail to guide into the truth. Listen, those that wait on him for it. And wait means to worship and it means to trust. So then, and only then, when my experience is the equal of my position, can I count on that divine love in Christ, in Christ, experientially, positionally, yes, and have his joy. Oh, listen, have, have his joy that he's made mine become mine. That's fellowship. That's fellowship, honestly. Now, there's, there's a lot of teaching that has to deal with certain things. There's a teaching where, where you have to deal with things. Can you imagine being in the place? Say, say, for instance, you have the gift of a pastor teacher, and only God can tell us that and make it real to us. But we can recognize it in each other and honor the vessel and glorify Christ in the vessel. No question about it. But can you imagine being a pastor teacher? You struggle, you fail. You're growing. You know nothing as you ought to do. But then he has you in a place to teach these things that you haven't even arrived at, but they're coming through you, and they're dealing with issues in people's lives. Do you think that's a place of humility? Yeah. Huge. 
It's a big place of humility. I honestly think those that God does use the most are those that would most outside of him function in their own hard-headed, obnoxious, stupid flesh, me, (laughs) outside of Christ. It's not who we are. You look at the characters that he used in the Bible. He can only use them with the measure of the gift that he gave them, but the gift wouldn't even function apart from the head in Ephesians 4.8. In Ephesians 4.8, it says, He gave gifts unto men. He, who is he? The context, who is he? He's the head of the body. He's the head. Colossians 1.18, Colossians 2.19. He's the head that gave gifts unto men. Those are the men themselves connected to him under his, under his headship. You know, sometimes I just want to be honest and I'm going to give a personal note and then I'm going to shut up. Sometimes God has you preach and teach some things that are pretty... They're intense. And boy, I tell you what, that's the last thing at times you want to do. You you can be sure of it. I'm going to tell you right now. You can be sure of that. That it just is so intense. But here's the truth of the matter. When I'm rightly related to the head, with my will submitted, here's the charge in 2 Timothy 4.1. I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing, that's us, in the rapture, not judged, but manifested now. We need to get the right words in certain translations or else we'll be confused. He will judge the dead. So is there any judgment for us at the Bema seat when we meet him in the clouds of the air? Answer, none. Zero. Then it says, his appearing and his kingdom. Will there be then? Yes, for all the unsaved. Those whose sins aren't dealt with. Otherwise, why would there even be a judgment for their works in Revelations 20, 10 to 15? What would their works be if it wasn't of Christ? Well, it just would amount to sins, wouldn't it? Because that's what a person that has a sin nature still does. He sins. I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will, who will really <laughs> judge, and we know that what the sense is, the quick, the, the living and the, and the dead. At his, and who are, who are the quick? That is an old English word for living, by the way. Okay? He will judge the living. And the judgment there is whatever was not of Christ that we function in is burnt up. Yippee. <laughs> okay? It's not a place of judgment, the bema seat. It's a place of manifestation, evaluation. What's being purified is what, who we really and truly are, and what's being burnt up is what we're not. It's all that garbage. <laughs> That's the living. And then the dead, spiritually dead. Come on. Annihilation. Read Revelations, the 20th chapter. It says both, both, and the dead, both great and small, stood before him. Again, death never speaks of extinction. It speaks of separation. That does away with annihilationism. I don't even know why that's going in there, but God must. Honestly. Now, <laughs> 2 Timothy 4.2. Preach the word. Listen, that's present imperative. Now, how should I do it? Well, Ephesians 4.15, speaking the truth in love. I don't know, can love be intense? Can it be? Yes, sir. Boy, I'll tell you what, and I'm glad for it. In my own personal life, I'm telling you, I'm glad for it. Preach the word, present imperative. Be instant in season and out of season. God, you want me to preach? Oh, God, no. Lord, God, if I preach that, oh my God, and, I, and you discern what people are at, my God, they're going to they're gonna hate me. No, they're not. They're not resisting you in 1 Samuel 8, 7. They're resisting God from ruling over them. That's right. And you're not to be afraid of their faces in Jeremiah 1, verse 8, because if you are, then you're preaching to their fallen personality, and you want to win their fallen personality to you to cause a circle of interest around you and not be accountable and responsible to God in true fellowship. And I'm going to tell you, I don't want it. I don't. 
I don't want it. So, preach the word, be instant in season and out of season. Oh, God. You know what that, whether you feel like it or not, whether it's convenient or not. What's that mean? I go by the flesh? You imagine if I went by the flesh? Listen, and I've said it this way. If I only did what I felt like doing, and that means ministering to me in my flesh and what I like, what would be done? <laughs> right? Instant in season and out of season. Reprove. Look it up. Oh, boy, flesh loves that. Rebuke. Oh, my God. Really? Exhort. And that's a beautiful word, by the way. With all long-suffering and doctrine. Yeah, but God, geez, every time I do it, they reject. Are they rejecting you, Ed? Are you the issue? Are you functioning outside of yourself when you preach? Because if you do, it is you. It's not me. Preach it. But it's experience, remember? It's experience. You have to learn. Just end it. You have to learn. We have to learn. Okay? And as learned, that's experience. Now we teach. That's why you need, all of us need to learn positional truth. And then when it's in the experience, now we're learned to teach. But if we do ahead of time, gee, oh Lord, it's a, it becomes a circle of interest around us. Any of us. So we're going to wrap it up. With all long suffering and teaching. Why? For the time will come. <laughs> it's already here, guys. When they will not endure sound teaching. But after their own lusts will they heap up to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they will turn away their ears from the truth, that's Christ, even Christians, proper experience, and will be turned unto fables. Lord, keep us from that. And faithful is he who, will, who calls you. And if we listen to him and submit, who will also do it? I pray God, your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless. Faithful is he who calls you, who will also do it. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24. Father, we thank you for the word this morning. God, I, I just pray it was all from your presence. And thank you for it. And thank you for each individual here, who you are in them, the gift that Christ is in them, and the gift that they are to each and every single one of us. Thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Can't thank you enough. In Jesus' name, amen.